Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Jeff Torin of Kitchen Tune-Up. Jeff chose this business to help homeowners affordably and painlessly get the kitchen of their dreams. The kitchen is the heart of the home, and he and his wife love to entertain family and friends in their kitchen. And most gatherings end up in the kitchen. They love being able to optimize and remodel kitchens so that their clients can love their spaces. Now for my conversation with Jeff Torin. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Spencer. I'm excited for today. Maybe just give everyone a quick rundown. Who are you? What's the company and where are you guys located? So I'm Jeff Torin. My wife and I own Kitchen Tune-Up. We're a franchisee located outside of Philadelphia. We opened for business just over six years ago. And at this point, we own seven territories of Kitchen Tune-Up. And we also bought into Bath Tune-Up, which is a new franchise that opened in the last year. And we have four locations of territories of that as well, layered on top. And it's it's been a fun journey. <laughs> so cool, we primarily yeah. do all different types of kitchen remodeling from wood restoration to cabinet painting to cabinet refacing to custom cap, you know, full kitchen remodels and all the ancillary services that that kind of tie into that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I have a lot of questions, but I guess first, you know, how did you decide to go this route six years ago and become a franchisee? It's a good question. I think I'm crazy. What, what We're all happened? a little was, crazy as business owners, right? <laughs> I think you got to be, right? Yeah. Why give up the cushiness of a job when you can go risk your world every yeah. month? Risk everything, yeah. <laughs> the joy of having your own business. But I was in a technology sales, selling software for 20 plus years. And I, I was just, that was as close as you, I could get to having my own business as being in a sales role where yeah. every month I can, every day, every moment I controlled my destiny. And after 20 plus years of it, I just kind of was, you know, in my, at the time I was in my mid forties, looking at kind of further out saying, where am I going? And saying, I still got a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, vinegar in me. (laughs) And I decided that I wanted to have my own business. So I, I talked my wife into it and took her along for the ride. And I looked at 20, 30 different businesses at least and looked deep at them and just fell in love with First Kitchen Tune-Up as a, as a brand and as what the story is behind us. We love to entertain. We love the kitchen, like the heart of the home. And you know, I thought that the, the contractor world was a challenging world that not a lot of local businesses live up to the promise. And it's, it's an area that a lot of people have a bad experience. I found that this model would, would let us be different, bring a different promise and a different way of doing business in a market that was fun and that would be enjoyable to nothing better. You come into someone's house and their kitchen's a mess and a week later, they got a brand new kitchen and they're, they're proud of it and their family's there and their friends are there. So it's a fun, fun space. So it kind of, it just kind of checked all the boxes and uh, you know, we kind of, kind of went down that path. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was yeah, I was gonna ask. You already answered it. You looked at like 20 or 30, but like what did that research process look like for narrowing? Like, was it close? Were you down to like I'm I'm going kitchen tune-up or I'm going in this other direction, or not that close by the time you got down to it? (laughs) Yeah, it was close because well, first of all, it was intense. So once you get your wife on board and say, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this crazy thing, she's like Honestly, during the period where I was doing my due diligence, I was because I had gotten laid off and had a severance package. So I had a period of time open to basically decide what I'm going to do with my life. And the period during that, when I, you know, I was looking for a job while at the same time really wanting to start a business. And that due diligence process was, I probably worked harder during that than any job I ever had because it was scary. <laughs> like yeah. you're making a decision and investing your life savings to make a business decision. So it was a lot. So, I mean, I, I did a lot of validation calls. I looked at a lot of different products, different concepts, and it did come down to a few. And crazy enough, I told you I was crazy at the beginning because we actually <laughs> did buy into two different franchises at the same time. Oh, wow. So we, at this time, we also have three gyms. So it's another a fitness concept called I Love Kickboxing. We own three of those. My wife is primarily, the vision there is that one day that becomes her get out of corporate card. But at the same time, we did launch two businesses and don't wow. recommend that. Yeah, that's um, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Even it is a lot time? now, six years later. It's just a lot to navigate. Two yeah. totally different hats of remodeling and fitness, but... <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, there's probably some overlap in uh, maybe some processes, but uh, yeah, not really. Selling, <laughs> <laughs> there's sales going on. That's about yeah. it. Well, cool. Yeah, I'm curious what what that first year was like, you know, because you we're coming from a different world, you know, sales and technology, you know, how was once you signed, you're like, all right, we're kitchen tune up now. Like what was that first year? Like, so it was obviously, you know, pretty, pretty stressful, but since I come from sales, I kind of, I'm very goal driven. Like when I came into kitchen tune up, my first goal was I'm like, what's the best first year anyone's ever had. That was like my line of questioning. And they're like, okay, best year is 500,000 at the time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to beat that. So that was my goal. Yes, I love and so it. the year starts at the time, it, you know, it started just me. I mean, I was doing sales, project management. I had a carpenter to help me do the hardcore stuff because I'm not a carpenter. I actually was in projects the first couple of months so I could understand it because I don't come from the trades. So I was there on jobs while selling, doing it all. And uh, the year went really well. You know, we had a great launch. At the end of the year, we did about 600,000. So we had a, a, nice. we beat our goal and we were kind of off and running. And then it was learning how to scale this business as you're learning it. And so I've frequently had coaches, you know, pretty much at the end of year two, at the beginning, the the president of Kitchen Tune-Up coached me really, really strong. Like her first advice, this is the craziest advice. I'm a sales guy, right? I thought I was like, oh man, pat my back. I had this great year. And at the end of the year, she's like, okay, you you did great. You know, what are you going to do to grow? And I'm like, well... You know, I'm going to, you know, whatever my plan was, she's like, your first thing is you need to hire a salesperson. And I'm like, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I have a 50% close rate. Look what I did. I'm going to just do more of it. She's like, yeah, tell me about your average day. And I'm like, well, first off, I'm working, you know, a gazillion hours because I'm doing all the hats. And she's like, yeah, you can't grow a business if you're doing all the jobs. So, you know, the first thing that Kitchen Tuna does is they have you read E-Myth. Right. Mm, so yep. you read E-Myth and that's always in the back of your mind. It's like, you know, you go to, so where did I go? I went to what I was comfortable with, which was selling. Right. Makes so, sense. so then I started getting into the journey of starting to like replace my jobs. Right. And starting to learn how to scale. We first year we did that. The next year 
you know, cause the gym opened and that kind of really hit me hard. I was really distracted while we were growing. And, you know, we hit a really scary point of the business where this business can get away from you quick. If you get your hand off of the pulse and while opening the gym at the same time as the end of our first year, we hit a, hit a crunch cash crunch, you know, that, that can happen. And that was scary. We survived it, but we definitely hit a, a scary point where, you know, we could have lost it all. Yeah. Um, powered through that year, we did a 10% growth. So we, we kind of held it together, rebounded and kind of continued forward. Then started, you know, then we started to grow again. We opened a showroom, started hiring, you know, the team out, you know, had a project manager and had more installers and administrative help. And then year, year three, we, we went, we grew to a million. Then year four, we grew to 2 million. Then year five, we grew to to 3 million. And then last year we did, you know, we, we came close to four. So we, we started like that path of replacing myself helped us grow. But then what I learned, like what I learned that first year, I've had probably, you know, COVID hit mm-hmm. like so for two months, like all our businesses closed. And basically once again, we're at the, the threat of losing everything survived. Yep. <laughs> and then obviously like everyone else, we, you know, then, then we grew so much that then it became another problem because now I hired so many people that weren't really qualified and ended this great year where our revenue spiked to the roof. We made no money. Yeah. And so I've been recovering now since the end of the year. Cause now we're trying to figure out, cause now we're not at that volume. We <laughs> fixed our processes and got the right people in place. And now we're trying to figure out where's our profit and our break even. And so I've learned that like, it's not all revenue. Because it looks really great when you're like, oh, I grew up 50%, 40%. And learning the the the, the mix of the, where's your break-even and how to, wh- where is your profit in this business? I mean, I'm constantly getting help from coaches and my accountant and and looking at how and what to, you know, where to get that mix right. Yeah, it's it's amazing once you get into it. There's so many variables and so many, like, so many things they don't teach you in school, right? <laughs> I, well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I went to college, but man, this is my graduate and doctorate degree times 10. Because <laughs> yeah. like every day, like when is there a week where I don't find some new challenge that we never hit? They're like, oh, what was that about? Like, well, how do we order that wrong? Or what did you, you know, oh no, we did this and the sink is exploding. And, you know, the other day our tile guy's there and something's on fire. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like, there's always <laughs> like not a dull moment. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, when did you make the transition to multiple locations? Because you said, I think you said you have seven now on the yeah. kitchen tune-up side. So at the, in the middle of our first year in business, once I knew we launched and we were go- doing well, I decided that being that I had these big goals, right? And kitchen tune-up is a national franchise. My worst fear was that I build up the name in Philadelphia and all of a sudden there's three other franchises here. And that's happened in other states cities in mm. the past, like from Kitchen Tune-Up in Boston and Denver and I can Atlanta. Like a lot of cities where all of a sudden there's one guy and then like a year later there's four. And now you're carved into this little geography. And my goals were large. So I was like, I want to build out more protected territory. So in the middle of the f- middle of our first year, I bought two more territories. And then over time I've been adding like one here and there to get it to now we have a development agreement where I have options to even go beyond where we are now, which is challenging in this environment because that's a big investment. So I've kind of put that on hold at the moment. But my goal would be to be able to own this whole market and be able to turn this into, you know, 10, 20, 30 million dollar business because I think that we have the right mix and we we yeah. have the right product. And I believe our trust points of who and what we're about 
resonate well to give us a leg up on our competition, but I got to like keep it. executing. It's, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. stall on that plan because <laughs> now it's like, I got to level out and get it figured out again. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, growth, people just think it's a lot of like up and to the right, but it's very choppy, you know, as you move along and yeah, you hit plateaus where you kind of learn, but it allows you to like rebuild a new foundation and then take off from there. So yeah, it's not surprising hearing, you know, like I think a lot of people would listen to this and go, well, that was tremendous revenue growth in a short amount of time, but obviously it comes with some of those other challenges. And I think you see that in every industry tech, you know, they go super fast and there's all these like bumps along the road behind the scenes that you never hear about. And, you know, what, what I find, and, and, and I talked to a lot of people about this and I think people don't get is that if you want to grow, you're always a little bit ahead of maybe your, your cost basis, right? So mm-hmm. if you just want to stay, like if I stayed at 2 million and managed the 2 million, I could make a lot of money, but I want to be three, four, whatever. I want to grow because growth is exciting, gives opportunity for a bigger. But the problem is, is if you get to 3 million and then I'm sized for say 4 million, which is where I'm sitting at right now, I'm doing low three and I'm sized for four. And if my sales doesn't catch up, I'm going to lose money every month. Yeah. And so that there's a there's a a point of returns that yeah you know, I could talk to a kitchen tune up doing a third of my revenue and they're making more money than me right now, but if I can get it right and we can get our revenue growth in line with it, then I make a lot, <laughs> like yeah. an amount that they you you can never get at the smaller number and that's the challenge is figuring that mix out to see where you want to be before you drive yourself insane or lose money and you know, go out of business. So it's it's it's. A, it's a lot. And you know, yeah. I'm constantly relearning that. Where is this? You know, my my accountant did me a break-even analysis and she's like, okay, at 3.2, you're losing money based on how I'm sized. She's like, at 4 million. So like at 3.2, I lose a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm like, well, that's not an option. At four, I make four hundred thousand because <laughs> I don't have to add any staff. Yeah. Four million. And they're like, oh my God. So it's <laughs> you got to make decisions. You, you got to make big decisions. Yeah. 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 And I think I'd be interested to hear if that would be your answer or something else. But I think that does shock a lot of people when they get into business is just going, oh, yeah, revenue isn't profit. And yeah, depending on decisions I make around overhead and what my margins are, like I have to nail this for sales. Otherwise, yeah, I've done all this for, for nothing or little work or, you know, that sort of thing. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. 
Is there anything in particular, you know, one or two just surprises about being an entrepreneur, kind of transitioning out of a sales role? Yeah. Oh, I, I had a finance degree, so I understand okay. finance. But until I owned a business, I did not understand what I've really what finance as running a business really was. Like, sure, uh -huh. I could understand stocks and I could look at a balance sheet and kind of like see the profit of a company and whatever, you know. But until you run a business, like to really understand, like, because the biggest, the hardest one I think is cash flow, is knowing the difference of great. You look at a PL and it looks like, oh, well, I made money. But your cash flow of your, you know, your ins and outs and the timing of that is what kills you. Like, literally, bullet <laughs> in the head of a business if you don't have that right. And look, we're in a material business. We, you know, and, and where prices are going up on both the labor and material side. And if you don't keep your, price that you sell in line with that and you don't watch that really closely you're not going to have enough profit to cover your overhead ever and you're going to struggle and even when you you know we have enough like our gross margins fine and still I struggle to keep to keep up on the gross on the on the net profit at the end of the day that's the biggest learning i have is just is everyone tells you to to grow you need to hire your replacements and then but no one's really good at telling you when you should do that or not do that to that it gets you in trouble and 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 that's what happens is like certain coaches you know so many people okay oh what 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 keeps you busy every day i'm like oh man i'm spending 20 hours a week in this and 20 hours. oh you you need to replace your bookkeeper you need to hire a bookkeeper okay great and that's three thousand dollars a month and they don't really tell you well the total look of the business impact in that and that's something like i've yet to find someone really can coach me when i make those hard decisions because i'll make them with like that extra person to say, yeah, go ahead. You, you could do it. You're going to grow because you do it. And look, I've grown, but I still haven't fully learned what the impact of all that overhead I add. Because now I've got this weld machine that if I don't get the revenue in line with it, I'm in trouble again. Yeah. That's interesting because yeah, that is, you see that from a lot of like business gurus and coaches and you know, like you need to delegate more and delegate more. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But there are costs associated with that. And that may not be the right time for your business. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like uh, it's probably a little bit art and science is my my take on it, just because you have a sense of like, is, does my sales pipeline feel full right now? Like, would this be a good time to make this leap where then I can put more time there and then kind of fuel that that extra or like, ah, actually, you know, it's pretty lean. Like I'm not quite ready to make a new overhead decision right now. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I haven't probably heard the perfect answer from anyone either. Yeah, I mean, so. the, best, <laughs> the best I get to is, you know, how's Leadfo look and what's your backlog? Like how booked out are you? Right. So yeah. if you start feeling like, I know when I made those decisions, I have comfort because I'm like, oh, well, we're, we're 12 weeks out. I've got a full calendar. You know, I yeah. can, you know, lead flow seems good. Like right now with, you know, our lead flow is way lower than before. Even pre-pandemic, it's kind of even below that a little, and my budget's way higher. <laughs> so, mm, yeah, so I, yeah. you know, definitely that that all this talk of economy slows us slows down. I mean, we still get a lot of leads, and we're still okay, but we really got to execute on every lead that we get more so than we did before. Yeah, like I yeah. think we can make the same revenue, but not if we have sales reps who are not looking at every lead as a gold, piece of gold. Yeah, yeah. If they sure. don't treat every lead as like okay, like to really get to know them and really dig into each one, like it's like it's life or death. And that's the story I told my team. I was like, I told them like the first year when I started, like I would get leads, I'd get someone who canceled on me before an appointment, and I called them because this is this I'm starting this business. It's life or death, and I called that 
lead. And I'm like, look, I mean, tell me why you've canceled your appointment. We haven't even met yet. I'd love to give you an opportunity, you know, give me an opportunity, give you a, a price. And like, oh, I decided to go with Home Depot. It was, you know, I'm happy with that. I'm like, well, not for nothing. Just normally we find, you know, I was fighting it. I was like, normally we find we offer better products at a better price than they even provide because we have good buying power and we're not Home Depot with all the overhead they have. But let me know if you'd like us to come out. But but I'm telling you, like normally we find it we're 30, 40% less for a superior product. And he's like, no, 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 I'm good. Then the next day he emailed me, you know, I've been thinking about it. I'd like you to come out. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I come out and this is just a great, I love this. I mean, this is a story I tell my team because this is what, it, what it, this is what you need to be is like, it was, I didn't give up. And I go out there and I give him, and I, I gave my normal price. He had a quote for like, I don't know, some sort of laminate cabinets with a granite countertop. I went out, I offered real wood cherry cabinets and quartz, like a nice, beautiful quartz product. And our price was like 15% less. And the guy looked at me, he's like, well, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to make a quick decision on anything. So, you know, I, I'm not going to do, do anything right now, but, you know, we'll be in touch. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Next day he called me. He's like, yeah, I'm going to move ahead with you. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was like, that's that do or die mentality. I think when you give sales to others, like sales team, if they don't keep that urgency and your your leads, like, you know, you have a marketing background. My marketing budget, I mean, it's $400 a lead at the yeah. end of the day, right? And if your rep gets a lead and you know, get a little kickback, like, yeah, yeah, not a good lead. And they just throw it away. You're like, that was 400 bucks. Yeah. That was an expensive dismiss there. <laughs> yeah. And you do that enough. And then all of a sudden you're dismissing too much. And then it impacts, then all of a sudden our sales are too low because they're not treating every lead as gold. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating thing to kind of work through is like the the owner mentality in a sales role versus, you know, somebody that doesn't have that mentality. And yeah, I mean, I think part of it's probably finding the right people and part of it's training, but then part of it is just reality. Like they're in a different role. They have a different mentality. You know, it's tough. I'm never going to be you. They'll never right. be the owner, but when you get the right oh, person, okay. they can be better yeah. than you Yes, because they could be more focused they can, like, I remember one of well, my first sales rep that I hired, it was like real veteran. He was able to sell at a higher price, not give discounts. Like, cause he wasn't emotionally attached to each one. Like to me, it was do or die. Yeah. He was like, he would say, <laughs> yeah, he, he wouldn't discount. He would offer, you know, he would increase price and sell more value. Cause it, you know, he cared, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it wasn't like life or death to him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. That's what you want. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm curious too. I mean, we've talked about some of the, like the challenges you've had some really nice growth, but also those challenges. What do you think has been really rewarding about starting your own business and going down that path? Well, A, it's, it's fun to, it's fun to grow and to kind of build something that's yours, that your creativity can kind of impact, you know, like, I'm very good at marketing and sales. So I'm always digging deep into like, so obviously I have, I have a solid marketing budget that's like, I don't mess with, and I'm always looking at different things. And so it's, it's fun to kind of do that. The other thing is, is it's, I really enjoy when you can bring people on your team and develop leaders. And one of my designers, he's been with me now four years and he love, love, love him. Hopefully he watches this and he doesn't think I'm saying anything bad, but he knows like, he made a lot of mistakes earlier and, and he, he he was so excited that he would like oversell and not communicate, not listen to people. And 
And what's what I love is that he he kept wanting to get better. And so he kept learning and now, you know, learning and becoming better and trying to find better ways to be a better sales rep. And now he's like, a, he's like, he's a star for us now. Like I could never have found someone like him. And, but I believed in him. And then he took that and, and grew. And I, I love when you can get somebody that you see something in and then you can give them a chance to whether make more money than they ever did and, you know, give them more authority or growth or whatever it is. Like I always am looking for people who value growth because I want to yeah. grow and, and growing is not always money. Go, growing could be like, I, you know, what I've learned as a business owner. I mean, I, I don't think I could ever go get a regular sales job ever again, the rest of my life. I don't think I'm employable as an employee because now I love all the things that I can be a part of. And so you, you really, when you find the right people and that's the hardest part though, too is to find those people. And then, but when you do, you want to invest in them and hope yeah. that they want to stick with you for the long haul. Cause then, then you see that the business becomes something bigger than you. And yeah. that's, yeah, I fun. totally agree. Yeah. The, the building, building of people is tough to beat. Now that's cool. Well, have you had any like weird or wacky, like client stories or weird projects or anything, <laughs> something you can share? <laughs> we keep saying we, we need to write a book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Of because, short stories of kitchen tune-ups. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, because if you think about it, your average remodel, I mean, everyone's got their nightmare stories, but most of your remodelers do bigger, longer projects, right? Mm-hmm. We do a lot of projects. Like we do three, an average of three cabinet refacings a week, a paint job, maybe something else, like three or four or five projects a week. So you expose yourself to like some contractors say, oh, run from, you know, if you see these signs run from that customer, we kind of don't get a chance to, because we're, we got a lot of things going on and, you know, yeah. I've learned one lesson and I'm not sexist or anything, but we've learned that divorced women with cats, <laughs> we've had three projects with divorcees with cats that have been the worst nightmares that you could possibly imagine. Oh man. <laughs> three times. So yep. that's I'll, at this point, it's just stats, right? You're just looking at the stats and going, <laughs> this is, I have a low probability of a good experience here. So low probability. Yeah. <laughs> So we, we, we've had some situation, you know, the hardest part for me is, is that we really care. Like I, I, as an owner, I'm here, my wife and my pictures on the website, like this is not like we're some big, huge corporation. And so we really care. And, we, and I always do the right thing to take care of the customer, whatever I got to do. If I got to replace things, I got to change things, you know, we're going to be very fair. I mean, we, without being taken advantage of, but at the end of the day, I really care. I want everyone happy. What the hardest part is there's sometimes where people lose sight of that. And then they get so wrapped up into that things happened. Look, it's very complex what we're doing. We, we're doing, like we come out, like replacing cabinets are easy. Oh, 15 cabinets, 32 inches by 42. Yeah, easy. I got to replace every door, every hinge, every component. Like there's 400, 1,000 parts in a, in a project. And we got to order them all perfectly because they're all custom made. Well, things happen. Things get damaged. Things get ordered wrong, entered wrong, measured wrong. And sometimes people don't care anymore that you will do. I am doing right by you. I am replacing it. We'll be out there. They want to like talk about, oh, it took three months to get our project finished. I'm like, yeah, the door took two months to get made. I'm sorry. I couldn't make it. It's, you know, COVID and takes a long time and whatever. And sometimes people just don't care anymore and they just get mad and they want to like withhold final payments and like hold on to that. And you're like, look, I lived up to the contract. Is it not perfect? Like, yes, it was bumpy to get there, but I promise you it will be perfect at the end. I'll do whatever it takes. And sometimes when the people lose sight of that and become too wrapped up in the motion of it, 
those are the stories. I don't even need yeah. to tell the specific ones because yeah, they happen. Makes sense. Yeah. Every year, I mean, we're going to have, you know, because we do so many 200 projects in a year, I'm going to have 10 or 20 of those once a month. One of those that dragged me into the dregs of depression. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> why are you so mad? Like, why is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> why is this happening? Like, I'm, I'm going to fix it. And that's not enough. When it's not enough, I don't know what to do. I'm yeah. stuck. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, you definitely would see a higher volume of just people in general. And, you know, so you're you're going to see kind of all spectrums there of personalities. I can't and filter out the crazy. So sometimes we just got to do our best to, to, to... Yep, just power through, right? Power through and take care <laughs> of it and hope, hope that we can <laughs> solve it. Yeah, sometimes people are looked, they'll send you a picture and they're like, this is not acceptable. And it's zoomed so big, like this little teeny gap of like a cabinet between cabinets. And it's like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, and then you see it in person. It's like a sixteenth of an inch or something. And you're like, and it's this big on a picture. And they're freaking out. And you're like, and I and I'm looking at. It, I'm like, is this what we're talking about? Like, like <laughs> this little teeny thing, and, um, and that becomes like a holy war. And you're yeah. like, oh my god, I can't replace your countertop because you have, you know, a, a, an eighth of an inch gap in a corner somewhere. Like, we're gonna have to fill it or do something. Like, you can't throw out a six thousand dollar countertop because of. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i know it, it'll never end but you get yeah you just navigate through it and keep moving on so yeah <laughs> well jeff i got a few questions to wrap us up here sure. i guess you said you have some big aspirations and you want to grow like what does the next three to five years look like for the company and where you want to take it well i'm on a mission to right size our profit right now so i kind of taken a hiatus on growth because i feel like i grew so much so fast at least for me that i got a little beyond control of of it. So right now my aspirations are is a more measured growth but getting my systems right, documenting my systems better, ultimately reaching a healthy profit. I need to be able to look at my wife in the eye and say all this investment and energy is worth it. And, and so that's my first goal is really, you know, they all say, you know, they're all saying profit is um revenue is for vanity and profit is for sanity. So I'm on a sanity run because I need sanity and health. And so that then gives you a sustainable business. So right now that my aspirations are really to, to get to get to the proper um, pro, then we can continue to grow. But I think yeah. it, it's, it's time to slow down a little. That's kind of where I am right now. It's like, let's get it yeah. right. Yeah, no, that's great. And yeah, like we said before, it's kind of you go through seasons, I feel like in the business. And yeah, that's the season you're in. And that makes sense. One last question to wrap us up. If you could leave you know, other remodelers, other business owners listen with one piece of advice, what would that be? That's a good question. There's so many, so many cautionary tales. I would say it's what, one of my favorite, probably Tommy Mello harps this the most, is talking about knowing your numbers. Know your numbers. Like I'm constantly building little dashboards where I know how many leads do I get a month? How many do we convert to appointments? How many do we close? What is my net profit? You know, like knowing my numbers. Like I actually run a mastermind group with other kitchen tune-up owners of the largest one, 10 largest or so. And we share our numbers which forces you to know your numbers. If you don't know your numbers and you're running by gut, you're not going to make it in this business, period. You're just not. You're just not going to have benchmarks to be able to talk to experts and to know where to invest and where you're weak and where you're not. Like As I am right now in this profit challenge that I talked about, the first place when I looked at my numbers, I was able to get someone to come in, help me look at it. And we quickly identified our close rate is low. And I identified two of my sales team, it's way too low. 
if I didn't really know my close rates and by rep and by, you know, like I would be more like stumped. I'd start having to lay people off. And instead I'm like, okay, these two guys, if they don't get above a 15% close rate, I can't give them leads. I'm going to have to let them go. Cause I got other reps doing 30, 40%. And that alone, I did the math on just the number of leads they got over three months. That's costing me $150,000 a month in revenue, which is the Delta of me being at the level I need to be at the profit I want. Yeah. And yeah, so the numbers gave you the answer. The yeah, numbers gave me the answer. Great advice. It takes time and effort, but you got to you know, have, whether it's systems or just making a Google sheet where you just pop stuff in, just got to know your numbers and yeah. everything else comes from that tea leaf, right? <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah, that's good advice and great example too. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for joining me today and appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thanks, Spencer. I really enjoyed meeting you as well. It's been an honor. I have your book. I've, I've always been a fan. So it's great to be on here today and getting to talk to you. Right on, right on. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.